be here again. I'm glad to be here again. Hallelujah. I tell you what, I got a, I got a copy of the CD last from the last time I got to preach, and uh, Marie was not kidding. I, would, I did not have this microphone. It was, it's like I was preaching like this or something. So you couldn't hear half of it on the CD. So now, if I overcompensate and you get the Darth Vader thing, then, then I'm sorry about that. But I can never figure this thing out, praise God. Last time I was here, I got to talk to you all about Jacob, a young man that finally, after being told all about God, he finally got to meet God, and he's on his way to find him a wife. And He met God there, and God made a connection. Uh, Jesus Christ made a connection with him. Uh, we talked extensively about that, and now I want to talk to you about Jacob again. It's 20 years later. He's coming back now. He's headed back home, praise God, and he's on his way home. He actually has five run-ins. The first one, he, when Laban chased him down, and he's leaving that, and the last one's when he finally comes across Esau, his brother, when he gets home, and uh, we're not going to talk about that, but I want to talk about three meetings that he has in between those two. Hence the name, three meetings. It's not that hard to figure out. It's not rocket surgery. <laughs> Praise God. Genesis 32, let's start by reading 1 through 8. It's a, a lot of text tonight, amen. And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of the place Mahanaim which means two camps, his camp and the camp of God's host. Amen. Number three, Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall ye speak unto my lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. And I have oxen and asses and flocks and men servants and women servants, and I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find grace in thy sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet us, and four hundred men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that was with him, and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two bands, and said, If Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. Amen. The first meeting he had after he took off from Laban, now, keep in mind, he had just been chased down by his father-in-law. They didn't have a very good relationship. Here's a guy that actually looked him in the eyes and said, it's within my power to do you great harm, Jacob. It, basically, he said, I could squash you, buddy. He said, but last night your Lord told me not to touch you, not to speak to you good or evil. He said, but I could just tear you a new one, Jacob. And Jacob knew he wasn't kidding. He could, amen. So Jacob just left that, and he, he comes to the first place he comes. Now after that uh, meeting with Laban, after being chased down, he shows up at this camp, and he meets angels, the angels of God that have come. The same angels probably that he saw. Remember last time we talked about the ladder and the angels of God and the power of God ascending and descending, making that circuit, making that connection. He saw those angels, and here again he shows up, and the same angels are here. The power of God is in this place. Come to meet Jacob, and... Uh, he hears that his brother's coming, and all of a sudden, he's scared again. Has he completely forgotten about his present position, who he's surrounded by, whose power is available to him? He totally forgets all about the angels that are standing right there around him, and he's concerned about Esau. You ever been there? 
You were looking at your circumstances, and you get a little bit frightened. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills, but God's angels are standing right there. God's right there ready to provide. He's never failed you yet. He's always come through. He's never fallen short. But you look at your circumstance and you say, Esau wants to kill me. Now I'm scared. And we forget who's right there ready to provide for us. Amen? Amen. Let's move on a little bit. Genesis 30. I noticed uh, we got started early. Do I still have until 830? (laughs) It's, It's a percentage thing. Genesis 32, 9 through 10 says this. And Jacob said, now he begins to pray. Remember, he's scared. O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which says unto me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast shewed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Check this out. Jacob says... Even now, even in his fear, he remembers that God had promised him something. He remembers that last meeting 20 years ago, and he's seen all the things that God has done for him, and apparently God's been revealing truths to him because he said, all the truths that you've shown thy servant, I'm not worthy of these mercies and the truth that you've shown me. He said, when I crossed over here the first time, I was all by myself. I didn't even have a change of clothes. I had a stick in my hand. I crossed over the Jordan and look what you've done. Now I come back. Not only do I have this band with me, or he sent them both ahead now. He said, not only do I have one band, but I have two. I've over and abundantly, you've, you've blessed me. Amen. Pressed down, shaking together and running over. Hallelujah. And even in that, now he says, he says, Save me. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's afraid. Even though he remembers. Now, let's look, at the, let's look at the promise again. It was in Genesis 28, verse 15 and 16. God said to him, Behold, I am with thee. I will keep thee in all the places whither thou goest. I will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of that sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Y'all remember that promise? And Jacob remembered that. He comes to God now. And now here's the thing. This is what I want us to see. God promised that he would be with Jacob through it all. Did God leave him? For the last 20 years. Was God with Jacob for the last 20 years? We know that he made a connection with him. We know that the power of God began to act in Jacob's life. We know that God began a relationship with the covenant God. Hallelujah. God reinforced his covenant with Jacob. And for the last 20 years, God's been true to that. Has he not? Well, let's look at the last 20 years. Jacob showed up and showed up over there in Haran. And first first of all, his father-in-law tricked him, gave him the ugly sister. Amen. And then secondly, so God was with him then, didn't he? Wasn't he? Hallelujah. And secondly, Jacob was still a cheese weenie because he was trying to manipulate his wages with Laban. He was trying to manipulate the way the flocks would breed and what would come out of that. You know what he was doing? He was taking the poplar branches. He was taking the hazelnut and the, uh, and the cedar branches and he was stripping them down and putting them in the water troughs. You remember that? And somehow that was making, uh, <laughs> making all of the sheep and the goats uh, produce a flock for him instead of for Laban, Right? Yeah. What's happening? Is something happening with the microphone? 
All right, praise the Lord. Y'all work with me here. But so somehow that was working for him. Do you think maybe God was blessing him, making his, his flocks grow and Laban's decrease? I don't think it really had anything to do with what Jacob was doing, but Jacob, in his own way, was trying to manipulate things in order to take more and leave Laban less, was he not? Amen. So through Laban's trick, through Jacob's manipulation and trickery, Laban had changed his wages five times. Laban's sons hated him and wanted to kill him because he was getting more and more and, his, and their father was getting less and less. Amen? Now, in all that, he has a continued fear of his brother. Now, he's coming back 20 years later. All of that has happened and through all that, has God ever left him? No, God was with him through it all. See, you and I, sometimes we have hard times. Things are happening. We don't like it, you know. Things weren't going his way all the time. And it's easy enough to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know that only really happened with one person. God ain't never left any of you. When Jesus said it on the cross, he's the only one that could say it for real because God had to turn away from the sin that was placed on his son. My sin, your sin. You and I want to say that God's forsaken us and God ain't never left you not even once, not even for a moment. Hallelujah. He was with Jacob the whole time. Now watch this. Jacob comes back and you remember God had promised him a wife and God was with him. Way with him because when he's come back, he has four wives. Two of them at odds with, with one another. Two of them that are just pawns in a war of, of wifedom, if you will. Hallelujah. And imagine the stress that this guy's feeling. Have you ever been under a lot of stress? You have enough problem with one spouse. Your husband ever gone crazy and just drive you completely bad? You want to pull your hair out? This dude's got four wives. Four. And they hate each other. <laughs> you reckon this dude's got some stress? Amen. But God's never left him. And even in that, even knowing that God has never left him, he still has fear. Even knowing that the angels are right there with him, he still has fear. And so he prays, deliver me, I pray thee. In Genesis 32, 11, 13, 11 through 13, he says, Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me, and the mother with the children. And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good, and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. And he lodged there that same night, and took of that which came to his hand a present for his brother. Listen, he... He has enough faith to know that God had never left him. He has enough faith to know that these angels are the angels of God. He's named this camp, two camps there. He knows God's there in the place. He's praying to him. Yet in that faith, he's mixing fear. He's, I, I believe in God. I believe that he can deliver me and save me. But here, Esau, take this gift. He believes that God can save him from it, but he thinks he has to also buy his freedom. Wow. You know, we've been studying Galatians a lot in Sunday school. And uh, the Galatians had gotten saved by faith. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to talk about this, but it fits so well. Because as soon as the legalists showed up in town and told them they had to also be circumcised, they fell for that in a heartbeat. They said, well, I believe that Jesus can save me, but I better just hedge my bets. Yeah. Amen? Right. Now, is that faith? No, it's not. No, it's not. Amen. So we'll move on from there. Faith mixed with fear. He had a second meeting that night. That night not only did he meet the angels of God, but that night he met Jesus. We'll move down to Genesis 32, 24. 
It says Jacob was left alone. He had sent everybody else away. He had sent them on ahead. It says Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. That doesn't say Jesus showed up and Jacob wrestled with him, does it? That said that there was a man that wrestled with Jacob. Jesus showed up and, and he started putting it on him. You know how many times we, we get in such a struggle and we get in such a hardship and we cry out to the Lord and we think, well, Jesus can fix this. Guess what? He can. Jacob cries out and he wants God to make everything better. He begins to pray and Jesus shows up and starts smacking him around. Huh? You ever been there and you think, gosh, this can't get any worse. All of a sudden, God shows up and just right in the back of the head. He says, listen, now you're going to have to straighten up. Jesus wasn't pulling any punches with him. He was telling him like it was. You ever had to sit your kids down and practice the tough love on them? Instead of pampering their every little, oh, you poor baby, you sweet thing. Come here and let me hug it out of you. No, sometimes you just got to smack them in the head, tell them suck it up and move on, right? Well, listen, Jesus showed up. Here's just a sidebar. Here's just a sidebar. Jacob is under a lot of stress. Jacob is in fear. He's probably got a lot of depression. You ever know anybody like that? It can be a struggle ministering to someone in depression, especially if you do not understand depression. I got to tell you, it can be a wrestling it's not just a, a quick prayer and say, Lord loves you and he's going to heal you. Hallelujah. Thank you for having me over. And then you move on about your business and think that everything's okay. But if you want to deal with someone in depression, if you want to minister with someone who's got stress and fear and depression, it's going to be a wrestling. Jesus showed up on the scene to minister to him. And it wasn't easy. It was hard work. Listen, Jesus Christ is not going to cover things over for you. He's going to get to the heart of your problem. Sometimes it's going to seem like a wrestling and like a struggle. Sometimes it's going to seem like a smack in the head. But Jesus is going to deal with you and he's going to do what it takes to get you to that place of freedom. Amen? Amen. And that's what he was doing with Jacob because Jacob had been in the presence of God for the last 20 years with the blessings of God on his life and yet here he was more stressed out than ever with all of his blessings you think that money's going to fix everything? It's not. It made it worse for this young man. Sometimes it's going to make it worse. Just because you have all the bills paid doesn't mean that you're in a good place. Sometimes you can be struggling and in debt and be the happiest you've ever been. Sometimes you, as long as you have the joy of the Lord. But so Jesus showed up. Now I'm sorry to digress like that. I'm going to move on. Jesus showed up and he's going to make it right for Jacob. And it's going to be a... a it's going to be a test for Jacob. It's going to be a wrestling all night long, it says. And we look back now and we see all the hardships that Jacob had suffered over the last 20 years. All of this and God had never left him. Everything he experienced was of a godly design to bring Jacob to this place of submission. You and I suffer things that we have to suffer for God to bring us to a place where we will fall on our knees and say yes. Where we will finally give up our pride and say yes. Amen? Christ wrestled to bring Jacob to a place of humility, to break his pride. Remember how Jacob got all the, all the flocks to be his? He manipulated the system. He manipulated nature. Does, God blessed him, but because of his action, he thought that he had done all this. Jacob had such a problem with pride, he had to be broken. 
He had to be wrestled. So when Jesus showed up, he's going to bring Jacob to a place of humility. He's going to break his pride. And at the same time, he's going to encourage him. Listen, Jesus is not just going to beat you down in the mud so he can snicker and walk away. But he's going to encourage you in that now that you are at your weakest, now that you finally come to that place of submission, now you can rely on the strength that has brought you there. The same strength that takes Jacob all the way down is the same strength that's going to hold Jacob up. And that's how it happens for us. Amen? That's how it has to happen. Until you let go of your own power, you will never see the power of God working in you. Galatians 2.20, Paul says this, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ took Paul and took him all the way down. Christ broke that strong, proud man that knew everything and took him down till he absolutely knew nothing except for Christ. He took all of his strength until he absolutely had to rely on Christ. Amen? Genesis 32, 25. It says this. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. It says when he saw he prevailed not against him. Do you think there's any chance that Jacob could have beat up Jesus? (laughs) Not, not at all. Jesus created that man. He created that life. He breathed life into Jacob. He could have taken it just out just as much, but this is where he didn't prevail. Listen, Jesus Christ showed up to remove the pride of Jacob. Somebody in here, oftentimes myself, have way too much pride. And you can knock us down and we're not going to relent. We're not going to give up. Jacob would not relinquish his pride. He wouldn't relinquish his strength. Listen, when Jesus shows up in your life and begins to wrestle with you and begins to minister with you, you're welcome to stand there. Listen, when, when John's going around praying for you and you begin to feel the Holy Spirit coming over you and you begin to feel a little bit weaker in the knees and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm fixing to go down or I'm fixing to be slain in the Spirit, you can fight that if you want. You can push against it. I don't know why you would, but Jacob wouldn't relent. The Bible says when he saw he prevailed not against him, Jesus weren't no weakling. Listen, he could have shoved him down in the mud at any moment, but he didn't. He let Jacob fight back, and Jacob would not relinquish his pride, and he wouldn't relinquish his strength. And how many of you tonight are exactly like that? God's trying to work in your life, and you're sitting there pushing against the Holy Spirit. You're pushing against the blessings, and you're never going to see it come to completion until you give up. And fall down. Amen? And it said, look, Jacob wouldn't relent even to the majesty of God. God will never use your pride. Never. He will never use your pride and he will never use your anger. The Bible says that the wrath of man never accomplishes the will of God. Never. Don't fight against the Spirit. Listen, God hobbled him for two reasons. Same thing that he did with Paul. He hobbled him. Paul's, Paul's case was, uh, was a little bit different. It's not as specific. God hobbled Jacob, one, to keep him humble. The person that Jacob would become, the pride could so easily overwhelm him. He hobbled him to keep him humble. The person that he would become, he had to be kept dependent on God. He hobbled Jacob to keep him dependent on him. 
How far are you going to get before God just throws your hip out? How far are you going to run before he just breaks one of your legs to lay you up in the hospital? What happened to John's fingers? He said, anything you got to do, but get me out of this. How long were you in the hospital, brother? <laughs> it, it wasn't pretty. But how far are we going to get before God has to hobble us? Amen. Look at, look at Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. He says, And lest I should be exalted above measure, there's the pride. Uh, except that I would have way too much pride, he said, through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Except that he would have too much pride, God hobbled him. Except that he would not be dependent upon God, God hobbled him. You and I stand on the precipice. Prefaces, prefaces, something or another. I've heard it both ways. <laughs> we stand precariously at a place of hobbling. You and I, with our pride, with our determination, with our independence, we had better come to a place where we can see and learn from Jacob's mistake before it's too late. Amen? Amen. Let's relinquish. Hallelujah. Now, Genesis 32, we'll get back on track. I'm excited about that. Genesis 32 and verse 26. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Jacob's been in a bad place. Jacob's been in a really bad place. Twenty years now, he's had, like I said, the presence of God with him, the blessings of God on his life. He's got four wives. Jacob's been in the dark, and now he shows up in this place of fear. He shows up in this camp surrounded by the armies of God, with God present, with Jesus Christ right there. And yet in the midst of all that power, in the midst of that anointing, that overwhelming presence of joy and righteousness, it, right in the midst of that, he's afraid, he's depressed, he's stressed out, he's in such a dark place. And here comes Jesus and begins to wrestle with him in ministry begins to touch his life in a strong way to bring him back to a place of joy. Amen? All night. And then he says, let me go for the day breaketh. How many of you ever been in a, in a dark place? You've been in a bad place. You've been depressed. Maybe not, maybe not a true depression, but we all get down. Amen? We all get sad. We all go through times when we don't have the money. We all come through times we don't have the joy. We get in a place where we don't want to be around anybody. We try to hide ourselves out because we don't want folks to see our situation. We just, we don't want to look at, we don't want to be around happy people. Have you ever been there? I don't want to be around them. They're too happy right now. Hallelujah. I might accidentally crack a smile. You know what I mean? I just want to sit in the dark and I want to go eat earthworms and die. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Praise God. We've been in that place. We go through some dark times, but Jesus said, now I'm bringing you out of that. He, listen, how many times have you cried out to God in the midst of your despair and depression? You cried out and he's brought you back to joy. And then all of a sudden, who's Jesus? 
How many times have we seen people come in and they're crying out for something? They need their bills met. They, their bills get met. They need some food. They get some food. They need a husband or wife. They get a husband or wife. All of a sudden, you never see them anymore. Crying out to Jesus in the dark of night. When things are at their worst, we cry out to the Savior. And as soon as we get what we want, we never see them again. He said, let me go for the day breaks. Now the sun's shining down on Jacob. He's starting to see the light. He looks up and it's not so bad anymore. He looks up and from this place he can see the sun rise and he's starting to see a way out. There's a, you know that saying, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's a light at the end of the tunnel for Jacob. And Jesus said, will you let me go now? Now that you have everything that you want, now that you're to a place of, of stability and joy, are you going to let me go? Are you going to walk away? Are you going to forget about the Savior of the world because you finally got what you were looking for? The day breaks. Let me go. Are you going to let go of Jesus just because you got your answer? The test for Jacob was, are you going to hang on until you get the best of the best? Are you going to hang on until you get everything that he's got for you? Just because things are going good, you don't let go of Jesus? But that's the time to hang on the Titus. Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. Listen, he's been blessing him for 20 years, but Jacob knows there's something more. I want everything that he's got for me. Listen, when the sun comes up, I'm going to hang on tight. When the wind is blowing on me, I'm going to hang on and not let go. When I have everything that I need to eat and all my bills are paid, I am not going to let go of the one that provided for me because I'm not going to let go until I have it all. Are you going to let go just because the day breaketh? Hang on, because the better blessings are coming. The better blessings are coming. It's easy enough to hang on to Christ in the dark. The test and the trial is after the sun comes up. When the depression's gone, everything's good. You love people again and you love yourself. And then you forget about church. Work becomes too important. The kids want to go to the park. There's always something to put in front of Jesus. Hang on. The good blessings are coming. Amen. Let's, let's look at, uh, actually, I don't, I don't guess I gave you these. Luke 17, 17 says this. Jesus asked about the ten lepers. He said, were there not ten cleansed? One of them had come back. He said, but where are the nine? One of them came back. I did give it to him, praise God. <laughs> I'm very industrious. Thank you, Mike. Jesus said there were ten. One of them came back. He said, I know that the healing is not the blessing. Listen, the finances are not the blessing. We pray, we pray God to heal us, bless us with his presence, with his healing, bless us with our finances, bless us with all of that. That's not, that's not the blessing. The blessing is him. The blessing is hanging on and getting all of him. Amen? Mark 10, 51 52. Survey set. Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou I should do unto you? And the blind man said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith had made thee whole. What happened? Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way because the sight wasn't the blessing. Jesus was the blessing. We got to hang on, people. We can't let go, not just because the day breaketh. We got to hang on tight. Hallelujah. Amen. I, you know what? That's enough of the introduction. Now let's get down to the preaching. Amen. Now we're going to get down to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Listen. Amen. Genesis 32. We're getting back on track. Genesis 32, 27 and 28. Amen. 
And he said unto him, this is Jesus talking, Now he says unto Jacob, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Amen. Amen. So he said to him, What is your name? Come on, did Jesus know this guy? He knew who he was dealing with. Amen. Listen, in 2 Kings 6, uh, uh, the question's asked a little bit differently. You remember the story about the axe head? The man was chopping down the tree. The axe head fell into the water, and the man of God says to him, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. The man of God said, Where fell it? It's the same question. What's your name? Listen, in Genesis 4, 9, and 10, it was asked of Cain this way, Where is Abel thy brother? What hast thou done? Listen, God knew the answer to all these questions, and they were all the same question put in a different way to different men because God asked every one of us the same thing. What have you done? How have you lived? Who have you been? What is your name, Jacob? Jacob finally answered. He said, my name is Jacob. I'm the supplanter. I'm the, I, I'm the trickster. Amen. I'm the thief. You and I, got, we had to come to a place we received salvation in only one way we confessed our sins to Jesus Christ. We have to admit who we are, who we've been. Only then can He change us. Amen? Listen, Jacob was still in fear. Jesus brought him to a place where the depression could go away. He brought him to a place where he could be dependent upon God now, give up his own pride. Jesus had brought Jacob to this place where he could totally submit, but he still has fear. He's not all the way yet. And then Jesus looks at him and he says, What's your name? Who have you been? How have you lived your life? Tell me where it fell. Where did you go wrong? Amen? Not because Jesus didn't know the answer to that question, but Jacob had to come to a place of confession. You and I, listen, the Bible says that with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You and I, listen, and it also says that when we fall, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we would confess our sins to him, not to me, not to John, not to, not to some preacher or priest, But if we would confess our sins to Jesus Christ, He could forgive us and make us new and cleanse us once again. He said, your name's not Jacob anymore. You're not the thief anymore. You're not the supplanter anymore. Listen, I don't have to be a pothead. Amen? I I don't have to run around and do those things. I don't have to live like I did because I showed up there when Jesus come into my life and I told Him, this is who I am, but you can fix it. And so he said, no longer are you, Jacob. You're not that person anymore. Now you're a prince with power, with the power of God. You're a victor. You're victorious. We're more than conquerors through him that loves us and gave himself for us. Amen. He said, you don't have to live like that anymore. Here's the problem. Jacob is still scared. In the next few verses, you'd see when you go back and read it at home, unless Mike is, no, you'll see that he's still scared. Jacob has never come to a place. He's, he cannot envision any scenario. And he's played it over in his head many times, his meeting with Esau, the way it would go when he shows up and he offers these lambs, when he shows up and he offers the cattle and the camels and whatever it is that he has to offer him. He's envisioned this in every possible way. And he's never come across a scenario where Esau has forgiven him. 
In every scenario, Esau wants to kill him. In every scenario, Esau hates him. He's bringing all these warriors to take him down. He's going to kill his wives. He's going to kill his kids. He's going to kill all of his flocks. He's not going to leave a single thing left of Jacob. In every scenario, Jacob is envisioning the worst because he cannot find a scenario where Esau has forgiven him. Why? Jacob hasn't come to grips with who he was. Jacob has never forgiven himself. You're not going to find forgiveness in other people as long as you hate you. You're not going to find a scenario where somebody loves you as long as you hate you. You've got to get over the past. Once you've given it to him, you told him your name is Jacob, and he says, now you're Israel. Once he's changed your name and changed your nature and changed who you are, you're a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Because Jesus Christ went to the cross. He died a death. He paid a, a bill that I couldn't pay. He took care of my sins and he changed who I was and I'm a brand new person and I've got to come to grips with the fact that he loves me and I'm not the same thing. Otherwise, how can I ever expect you to love me? If I still hate myself, if I deserve this and I deserve that, if I don't deserve to be happy and I should just wallow around in the mud because of what I've done, if I cannot forgive me, how can I expect you to? That is the last thing that I have. Jacob... He's not the same. But he's got to come to grips with that. Jesus has changed you. He's made you brand new. You're not the same as you were. Why do you keep looking at yourself like you are? Amen? John. Thanks, guys.